This is Positively Farming Media. Fall is officially here, and I don't know about you, but my garden is ready for a bit of a break, and honestly, so is this gardener. But that doesn't mean this garden soil shouldn't be doing something in the meantime. We all know testing our soil is the only real way to find out what is lacking in our gardens as far as nutrients are concerned and what the pH level of that soil is. Testing our soil now and then adding the appropriate amendments means that they will have a chance to break down into the soil, incorporate themselves, and become water-soluble, which is really the only way they can be absorbed by our plants come spring. But How do you know what to add, when to add it, and how much? Today on Just Grow Something, we'll review some of the most easily accessible amendments that you can use on your garden right now to give you a better garden next season and help you figure out how much of it to use based on your own soil test results. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I took an unexpected two weeks off from the podcast, and uh, it was not intended. I left town to go run the Marine Corps Marathon. That was my 50th birthday present to myself. And I fully intended on recording while we were gone, but it just didn't happen to work out that way. I had the episode notes kind of written out and ready to go, but unfortunately, I just didn't find the time to be able to find a quiet spot and be able to record. So sorry about that. Um... The funny thing is, you know, we were kind of taking a break and it was kind of a vacation from the farm while we were visiting the kids and I got to go run the marathon, which the marathon was fantastic, by the way, my performance, not so much, but that's okay. But I was still thinking about, hey, you know, I would see a garden or I would see something and and try to think of like, oh, you know, I should really talk about that on the podcast. So you guys are always on my mind, regardless of what it is that I am off doing and whether or not I'm actually publishing episodes. So we're back. We're ready to go. And uh, at the recording of this, I'm recording it on Saturday. Um, I'm running another marathon tomorrow. So <laughs> um, and then we're taking off again to do some some traveling again. So hopefully I will be able to keep up with you guys. But if I miss another week, you'll know why. So let's say that you've done an off-the-shelf soil test and you've gotten at least back the basic results, right? The, the soil pH and the levels of the nitrogen and the phosphorus and the potassium. 
Now, if you do a soil test where you send it to your local university, like Extension Service, or one that you send off to a private company, you might not actually have a nitrogen level in those results. The available level of nitrogen can vary really widely based on the soil temperatures and the moisture levels and a lot of other circumstances. So a lot of the time, the universities and often those private companies will not send you the actual nitrogen level because it can vary so widely from one moment to the next. In reality, if you've not amended with anything or grown any cover crops, you are likely low on nitrogen. So just kind of assume, unless there are some other symptoms, that you're low on nitrogen. If there's any doubt, though, you can use an off-the-shelf kit just to determine where your levels are at that particular moment. If it shows even remotely high, then you certainly don't want to add any amendments that are going to increase that available nitrogen, because this is almost as bad as having too little nitrogen. You'll get a lot of big leaves, but you'll get no fruits or your greens are going to be super bitter even before the heat gets to them. So um, this is usually pretty rare in all but most of the fertile of gardens, but just be aware um, that you can overdo it with the nitrogen um, depending from year to year. So if your soil tests are showing a deficiency in any of those big three nutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, or potassium, you want to choose amendments that are not only going to add those nutrients back into the soil, but that do it in a way that supports the soil microbiome at the same time. This is why I'm not a proponent of synthetic fertilizers. They're fine when used in a pinch to help plants that are suffering because they deliver those targeted nutrients directly to the plant to be taken up immediately. But they do nothing to help the health of our soil overall. And we know that ultimately a healthy soil is far better for our plants in a much more sustainable way. The soil microbes need more to feed on than just those big three nutrients, and so do the plants in order to perform at their optimum level. In addition, our bodies need those macronutrients as well to function, and the more that's in the soil, the more the plant can take up, and the more will be available to our systems when we eat the plant. So, per usual, I will focus on organic amendments, as in those derived from living matter, and a couple of mineral-based amendments for the purposes of this episode. Let's start with nitrogen. It's the first fuel that plants need for their growth. It's used for everything from chlorophyll production to synthesizing amino acids. It helps our plants grow big and strong and lush. And the stronger this growth is, the better able the plant will be to take the next step in producing fruits, roots, and shoots for our consumption. If your plants show signs of chlorosis or stunted growth, it's often because of a lack of nitrogen. Now, the easiest way to amend for nitrogen, and pretty much all the micronutrients too, and to give the soil a big boost to its level of organic matter is to pile on the compost. Late fall and early winter is the absolute best time to do this. That's because nitrogen tends to get tied up while organic matter is being broken down. Once it hits your soil, the microbes go to work and they're feeding on that organic matter and working it into your existing soil. Those microbes need nitrogen in order to break down the other components. So that nitrogen's gonna be unavailable to the plants until that process is complete. That's why fall and winter are crucial times for adding compost to the garden. It needs that time to break down and be ready to work for you in the spring. 
This is also the time you should be adding any uncomposted manure. This gives the time for any hot manure like horse or chicken manure or bat guano to break down further and be less likely to burn the roots of sensitive plants. Other easy-to-access organic uh, amendments to add in the fall for nitrogen shortages include alfalfa meal, cottonseed meal, and feather meal. Feather meal is the one I use the most on top of adding compost, and it's the one I use when I plant my onions and my garlic, which are notoriously heavy feeders of nitrogen in their early growth stages. And if you live near a coast, you may have access to crustacean meal of some sort, which is a really good long-term nitrogen source. And if you're looking for something that's right in your own backyard, consider grass clippings. Fresh grass clippings contain large amounts of nitrogen, but they do take a while to break down. So adding them directly onto your beds in the season before you plan to plant into them is the best way to take advantage of them. And then finally, if we think back to the cover crop episode a couple weeks ago, things like clover, alfalfa, or legumes can add nitrogen back into the soil by pulling nitrogen from the air and fixing it into the soil through their root nodules. And then if we leave those roots to decay in the soil, we make that nitrogen available to the other plants in the spring. So if you still have time to throw some cover crops out there, depending on where you live, those are the ones to help with a nitrogen deficiency. Let's move on to the next big plant nutrient, and that's phosphorus. Plants use phosphorus to promote root growth and to flower and to set seed. In terms of phosphorus, we still want to add that organic matter through compost, but unless you can get an analysis from your compost source of how much phosphorus is available in that particular batch, you might be selling yourself short. Chicken and horse manure are also generally good sources of phosphorus. So if you're using those as amendments for nitrogen, then they should also help here too. Now, We're talking about amendments that you're adding in the off-season that need time to break down. But be aware, if you use fish emulsion during the growing season to supplement your nitrogen needs, it also adds some phosphorus and some potassium. So fish emulsion is an organic fertilizer. It's made from whole fish or parts of fish, and it provides an NPK ratio of 4-1-1, so 4% nitrogen and 1% each phosphorus and potassium by weight. But if your soil test indicates that your phosphorus levels are depleted, you're looking to amend now for next season, and you don't have access to or choose not to use animal manures, then what can you add to boost that phosphorus level while also feeding the soil? Two of the easiest ones to get a hold of are bone meal and rock phosphate. Bone meal is a byproduct of the meat industry. It's got high levels of phosphorus. It also produces a good amount of calcium. And so if you've ever experienced blossom end rot in your tomatoes or your peppers, you know calcium availability is pretty important. Bone meal is slow release, so it's good to add it in the fall because too much in too close proximity of the plant roots can actually burn your plants. Some formulations may also contain higher amounts of nitrogen too, so pay attention to the packaging if you need one but not the other. And then rock phosphate is a sedimentary rock. It contains high amounts of phosphate minerals. It's been crushed and screened into a fine powder to make it easy to use in the garden and more water-soluble for our plants. There's also colloidal phosphate, which is untreated soft phosphate combined with colloidal clay. So it has um, lots of trace minerals and micronutrients in it, like calcium in addition to phosphorus. So that's also a really good option. 
Finally, we move on to potassium or potash. Potassium helps plants regulate their metabolism. It's important for good root development, and it affects the regulation of water pressure inside and outside of the plant, which helps the plant effectively use its water and be more drought resistant. Plants with potassium deficiencies are often more prone to disease and to moisture stress. So gardens that have really poor soil structure usually end up potassium depleted because the water just runs right off or it goes right through the soil too quickly and the potassium goes right along with it. So that's another reason why soil organic matter is so important. So of course, we're talking about adding compost or using cover crops to help with that on a regular basis. But if you find your soil is short on potassium, what organic amendments can we add specifically for that deficiency? Wood ash, Green sand and kelp meal are usually the most accessible to home gardeners. So wood ash, of course, the term pot ash is actually derived from the term potash, 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 right? The ashes and the burnt pieces of hardwood that came from open fireplaces or fire pits. Tossing this ash into the garden proved to be a really good, quick-acting, but sort of short-lived source of potassium. You can absolutely do this with the ashes from your fireplace or your wood-burning stove if you've been burning non-treated hardwoods or hardwood pellets. This is going to add potassium back into your garden soil. But these ashes are going to be very alkaline. We're going to talk about amendments to adjust your soil pH here in a minute, but before you use wood ash as a potassium supplement, know what your soil pH is first. If you've got pretty acidic soil, then you should be fine using wood ash in moderation. But if you're growing plants that really like acidic soil, like blueberries, or your soil is already fairly alkaline to begin with, like around a pH of 6.5 or higher, then let's not use the wood ash. Put it in the compost pile so it can mellow and then mix in with other things before being used later. Green sand, though, is actually a good option. Green sand is a marine sediment. It contains a mixture of clay minerals and large quantities of these greenish granules called glauconies, hence the name green sand. It is a great slow-release potassium source, and it will also gradually improve the water-holding capacity in your garden soil. One application of green sand will generally last about three to five years, so it is a very good slow-release source of that potassium. Kelp meal is the final option, and I love the benefits of kelp meal, but I will give you this one with just a little bit of caution. It does contain both nitrogen and potassium, and it contains over 60 micronutrients as well. So this is part of why I love it. It helps encourage microbial populations in the soil, but it is made from kelp, which is a plant. So it also comes with a good amount of those plant hormones, cytokinins, indoles, auxins, gibberellins, right? These are all things that are involved in processes from vegetative growth and flowering to adaptive responses to transplanting, overwatering, and excessive heat exposure. So this is why I use Elm Dirt's kelp mist on my plants during the growing season because it helps with the flowering and with the drought tolerance when I use it as a foliar spray. It's very fast acting. 
And while we want our plants to do these things, too many of these plant hormones in combination with the hormones that are already present in our plants can actually be too much, which is why I recommend adding kelp meal to the soil in the fall so it gets a chance to mellow out a little bit. Effects of kelp meal in our garden soil can last from 6 to 12 months. So there's going to be plenty of potassium available for the plants, but the plant hormones will have degraded enough to not overwhelm the plants and cause issues. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So how do we know how much of these amendments to add at one time to fix our deficiencies? Well, that's going to depend on just how deficient we are and what type of soil test we used. Most of these amendments are going to have recommendations on the label for how much you should be applying to a given space. These are good general recommendations to follow if you've used an off-the-shelf test that has returned just a very simple result of very deficient or depleted. So follow those recommendations in the fall and then test again in a few months to see if more adjustments are needed. If you get a soil test from a university or a mail-in company, they likely include recommendations for what to do to adjust your deficiencies. In most cases, these recommendations are going to come back in pounds per acre or pounds per square foot. This is not pounds of fertilizer. This is referring to pounds of nutrient. So let's review those numbers on the side of the bag. Hang on, we're going to do some math here. The numbers on any bag of fertilizer or garden amendment will tell you the amount of nutrients in that bag by percentage. So on a bag that says 10, 10, 10, you will have 10% each of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium by weight. So a 10-pound bag will have one pound of each of those nutrients. So if your results come back low in phosphorus, say, you're not going to use an all-purpose mix that has equal amounts of nitrogen and potassium. I'd be choosing something like bone meal, which is a 3-15-0, 3 3% nitrogen, 15% phosphorus, and no potassium. So if your university test recommends adding two pounds of phosphorus per thousand square feet of garden, then you have to do that math. You have to divide two pounds by the 15%, which is the amount of phosphorus in our bag of bone meal. 
So 2 divided by 0.15 equals 13 and a third. So you'll need to apply 13 and a third pounds of our bone meal to get the two pounds of phosphorus on a thousand square feet of your garden. Now, obviously, if your garden is only 500 square feet, then you divide that in half and so on. You make your adjustments. Now, if you used an off-the-shelf test, you'll have to form your own recommendations based on whether your results say mildly deficient, moderately deficient, or depleted, you'll be following the recommendations on the bag. So the bag may say something like use three to six pounds per 100 square feet of garden. So for mild deficiencies, we should be using the low end. For our very depleted soils, we should be using the high end. This is why we want to use amendments based on what our soil test shows we need. This bone meal example also contains that 3% nitrogen. So you're going to be applying just shy of a half a pound of nitrogen to that same thousand square feet. But if we were choosing a balanced amendment that was like a 15, 15, 15, all equal parts, we'd be adding over 13 pounds of nitrogen and potassium too, which could likely be too much for our soil and for our plants. So this is why it's important to choose our amendments based on what our deficiency is, not just automatically grabbing whatever we see on the shelf that has all the same numbers or says it's recommended for vegetable gardens. If your soil test is only showing slightly deficient, then just start off with half the recommended rate. Give the amendment time to do its work and then test again. Starting slow and adding more is always going to be better than adding too much and then needing to find a way to reverse it. Now, what about your soil pH? For most of our garden plants, the ideal soil pH is between 5.8 and 6.8 or 7-ish, so slightly acidic to neutral, with the exception of some things like blueberries and, you know, things that like acidic soil. The pH of our soil affects the way that nutrients move through the soil and into the plant roots. So if the soil is too acidic, then nutrients like nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium are less able to move through the soil. Not all garden plants are as sensitive to this as others. Some are just better at scavenging nutrients. So if you're not noticing major problems with your garden, you may not need to do anything at all if your soil pH is as low as 5.7 or as high as 7.5. Anything outside of those extremes, though, or if you're seeing your plants struggle and it seems like your nutrient levels are on point in your soil, well, then you likely will benefit from making some adjustments to the pH. And once again, we're going to talk about easy-to-access, non-synthetic amendments adding in the fall for correcting the soil pH slowly. There are other options for adjusting pH very quickly, and I will leave a link in the show notes to the episode I did on soil pH back in Season 2, where you can find more details on that. If your soil is acidic, a good way to raise the pH is by adding lime or wood ash, right? We already talked about wood ash being alkaline, but it's hard to gauge the pH level of the ash unless you have pH test strips lying around the house. So knowing how much to add is going to be an educated guess. So do it slowly. A good guideline to start with is to add about half an inch of wood ash over the soil and then mix it in about six to eight inches. It's not recommended to add more than a pound of wood ash to a 50 square foot space per year. 
Lime is actually calcium oxide, and it's derived from natural deposits of limestone, which is another sedimentary rock. If you choose to use lime to raise your soil pH, how much you use is going to depend on the type of soil you have. So you'll need more for clay soils, you'll use much less for sandy soils, and somewhere in between for loamy soils. So follow the directions um, for amending soil that should be on the package or with the package insert info when you purchase agricultural lime. Hydrated lime, like the kind you use um, when using products like First Saturday Lime for insect protection, will not be as effective for adjusting pH. It will work, but you'll need to use way more of it and use it more frequently to maintain the effects because it's water insoluble. That's why hydrated lime is good to use in the garden to protect against pests without doing too much damage to the soil pH and why it's short-lived when it does happen. For changing the soil pH, you want to use ag lime. Now, both the lime and the wood ash are going to need some time to work. This is why I'm recommending them for using in the fall and over the winter. Test your soil pH again in about 45 days to see if you need to make further adjustments. Be careful not to apply too much at once. Just like with any other soil amendment, too much too soon can cause too big of a change and you'll have to try to reverse it. Speaking of reversing, what do we use to bring soil pH down if it's too alkaline? One option is elemental sulfur. It's widely available for both this purpose and for use as a fungicide. Be careful not to overdo it or you do run the risk of lowering the soil pH too much. Once again, the addition of sulfur for lowering the pH is going to be based on your soil texture and the amount you need to reduce the alkalinity. So you're going to need more for clay soils, less for sandy ones. This definitely one for a fall application because you'll need to give the sulfur some time to react and then check again in about six months. So amend in the fall, check the pH again in the spring, and then you'll get another chance to amend the soil before the spring planting starts if you need to lower the soil pH further. Once you've gotten the pH down to where you need it, it should stay at that level for a period of about five years, depending on your gardening practices and your soil type, but do a test yearly just to be sure so you can catch any changes early. The other way to reduce pH over time is by adding sphagnum peat moss. Now, I've mentioned I'm not much of a proponent of peat moss because of the destructive nature of the harvesting process to the bogs where the peat moss grows. But you can find sustainably harvested peat moss. Generally, it's coming out of Canada since they required to maintain and manage their bogs. And they're limited on the percentage of virgin bogs they can actually touch. You can incorporate peat moss into the soil to break down, and it will gradually reduce the soil pH, and it will help retain soil moisture too. Those are a lot of the options for us for amendments to add to our gardens right now in the fall and the winter to do the work in improving our soil for the spring, both for nutrient deficiencies and modifying our pH. Even if you're in an area where you have already begun to see snowfall or your ground has already started to freeze, it doesn't mean that you can't still do this. Adding it now and allowing that freeze-thaw cycle to suck those amendments down into the soil and allow them to start to break down is definitely going to serve you better than waiting till the spring. The bottom line is start slow, evaluate as you go, and then test your soil annually to be sure you can make changes when needed. 
Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Let's move on to the next big plant nutrient. Nutrient? Nutrient. If you've got pretty acidic oil, oil? <laughs> no. If you've stuck around this far into the blooper segment, I will let you in on a little secret. I did run that second marathon on Sunday, and yes, I did finish, and I also managed to take second in my age group. So there's that. Now I'm ready for a rest. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.